Welcome back to the Stone Pillar Podcast, where we discuss the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. I am your host, Dane Sampson, and we have a special privilege today. Uh, my privilege, my esteemed privilege, is, uh, is to introduce my brother and friend, Aaron Darrell, who is a guest with us today, our second guest on the Stone Pillar Podcast. So we are very excited to, uh, to get into this interview with Aaron and... Uh, to talk with him today and to share him with you. Yes, and I'm Brian Wilbur. And uh, of course, uh, one of the unique things about bringing Aaron on, on the episode today is that we, uh, his, his, his music is, is featured as part of the introduction and we, we acknowledge him in the outro uh, part of our podcast. Uh, so it's neat that we can actually bring, bring the man himself. Mm, the man <laughs> um, behind the music. Yeah, uh, 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 onto... Uh, onto this, uh, this episode. And I, I really, you know, even though he's our second guest, it's kind of our, our, right. Our third story, right. Because we did your story, my story, and we really, we want to, we want to do a number of, of people's stories. And we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to take a cookie cutter approach to, you know, like asking every guest the exact same set of questions, but with, with Aaron, uh, being uh, a musician and being involved in, in the, the music ministry, worship ministry of our church, as we'll talk about later, music and worship are not synonymous, but but there is overlap, and uh, so I, I thought it I thought it made sense to to have this discussion today, kind of through the lens of of, of worship and, and music and how those things interrelate and how those things interrelate in, in Aaron's life and ministry, and so to set to set the stage, uh, and this this question is designed for everybody. Uh, we we just heard a sermon this past Sunday from our brother Tom Garvey uh, on the subject of worship. I think I think the sermon was titled "Why Why Do We Worship?" And so we'll have an opportunity to interact briefly with that sermon if we want, and and also just kind of setting up today's discussion. But I want to ask the question: What is worship? Let's start there. <laughs> So, yeah. so who wants to jump in? I'll, I'll start because I got this thing right in front of me. Um, worship, worship, biblical worship is, is self-sacrificial. You're, you're sacrificing your, yourself, your interests, your wants, your desires for the desires and wishes and wants of the one who, who made us, to, for the king. It is, it is fealty to the king, and it's an act of submission to him and his will and to his throne. And, and this, is, this can include praise and, and singing. Praise and singing can be a part of that. But really, for me, when I think of worship, I think of repentance. I can't separate repentance from the act of worship. Turning my heart back in the direction of the kingdom, back into the direction of my, my heavenly father and his will for my life, that is the practical action of worship. And I, I see it demonstrated in the, in the biblical text in many different ways. But the practical action of worship is me falling on my face before the throne 
and submitting myself, my human fleshly wants and desires to that of my heavenly father and king and savior and creator and, and pursuing him with a, with a conscious des- desire for him. And praise can complement that and can be a part of that. But the highest form of worship is knowing, knowing the king and seeking to uh, grow in sanctification and to make him known. Like these, these are the high forms of worship. So like knowing his word, knowing what the inspired word says, and then sharing this through discipleship with someone else, whether that's to my children or to my spouse or to my brothers. And this, this is a continuation of that worship, of that submitting myself to the, to the throne. What do you think, Aaron? Um, well, I, I wrote down something that I wanted to read because this is such a, it's such a big uh, question. And many have written books about this topic. And there are uh, many, many who have come before me that have, <laughs> that have uh, attempted to define this, this word. And um, so this is, this is my definition. Uh, worship starts when our heart, mind, and soul respond to the living God, the presence of the living God. It begins internally <clears throat> when God fills our spirits with himself so much that we overflow into an outward expression. And there are many different kinds of expressions that that can include. Um, and as Dane mentioned, music and singing is just one, one aspect of what we can attempt to define as worship. There are many, many um, outward expressions that, that result in that. Uh, our brother Tom that just preached mentioned several of them, but not all of them, clapping, singing, bowing, um, repentance, you know, many, many different, <clears throat> many different expressions. But I think that the important thing to, at least the important uh, part of defining this word to me is, is that it happens internally and it happens as a response to God's presence. Um, w- one of, uh, one of my favorite uh, quotations um, on the, on the subject of worship uh, comes from uh a man named William Temple. Uh, he was an archbishop. I, I assume that means in the Church of England. Um, and uh, in this book by Ravi Zacharias, uh, he, he quoted um, Archbishop William, Te- William Temple, um, who said this, Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, nourishment of mind by his truth, purifying of imagination by his beauty, opening of the heart to his love, and submission of will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration is the greatest of all expressions of which we are capable. And I think that that is very, very well said. And it kind of, you know, of course, he includes the word submission twice in that, in that, in that quotation, uh, su- submitting ourselves before the Lord and you know worship worship could be understood as as a as a fitting response Uh, fitting would be scripturally defined and Holy Spirit generated which gets to the 
internal internal aspect. So it, it's it's objectively it's objectively described uh, in scripture. That's so it's, so it's a scripturally mandated response. But then it's actually Holy Spirit generated from within us. So it's a it's a fitting response to the revelation of 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 God's worth of his of his character of his of his promises of his commands it's placing ourselves under him and that's not something that we only do individually but we're meant to do it together so right. so hence you have the you have the concept of corporate worship or you, you know uh, what we do when we gather together as believers on the lord's day is would be understood rightly as a as a worship service yes we are we are gathering together in the name of our king and under his under his sovereignty and under his word and we're ascribing worth to him so uh i think uh yeah we're, we're kind of we're kind of all, all thinking along the same same lines what about uh one other little follow-up here um uh, Tom, in in the sermon, he he raised uh, the the question uh, of um, wh whether or not all of life should be understood as as uh, as as a as a context and opportunity for worship. He 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 noted some uh, you know some respectable uh, Christian scholars and pastor theologians who, who would answer yes to that question. Tom, Tom is inclined to answer no to that question. Um, what say, what say you is, 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 is all of life um, a, a, a context for worship? Uh, off the cuff, I want to say yes. I, I all, all of life has, well, <laughs> let me clarify that. Because all of life has the potential in walking with Christ, in sanctification, all of life has the potential of being an act of worship. You know, whatever my hands find to do, do it with all your might. That is not because, that is because God deserves it. God deserves my efforts to be done to the fullness of my ability for his honor and glory. Um, so whatever my hands find to do, I want to do it with, with the mindset that I am doing it not for man. I'm doing it for God. I'm not doing it for my own. I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it for, for him. And he is watching and he is there and he is present. And he knows if I painted the wall behind the refrigerator type of thing. Like it, I could easily cut corners and no one would know, um, but God would know. So I want to live my life where I am under the watchful eye of my heavenly father and I conduct myself in such a way that brings him honor and brings his kingdom honor and pleases him because I want to please him. He, is, he has saved me. I want, to make, I want him to be pleased with what I do and how I operate. So I see life as being an opportunity to express worship through the normal living of life. But there are things that are common that wouldn't be uh, considered worshipful, right? And, and that, that would be where I see the tension, that there are things that, you know, are, you know, we're, we're, we're just dirty balls of dust. 
You know, and there's many things that are not glorifying to God about how we normally live our lives. Um, but I think that we can, in every instance of life, bring those instances before God and, and in faithfulness and in trust and in hope, we bring these things before the throne and we say, here, this is, I, I submit this to you. Even if I'm mucking out the stalls or cleaning up, you know, after my children, you know, this can be done for the glory of God. And I want to bring those things before his throne so that he is honored by not just what I'm doing, but the heart behind what I'm doing. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I think, um, I think that when, I think I agree with the statement that um, our lives have the potential to be full of worship. Uh, I, do, I do think that there's an intent behind um, the idea of us worshiping the Lord. And, and that really comes to a pinnacle when we do meet as, as a congregation. We have a worship service because we're coming together. We're, we're all being drawn together to perform acts of worship in a setting as one body uh, to the living God. Um, you know, I think that when we, uh, we, we certainly, it stands to reason that we, that we certainly can uh, do things in our lives that don't glorify God. Um, but that missing, the missing key is, are, are we remembering to do what we're doing with all our heart and um, uh, to the glory of God? Are we remembering that with intent when I do this mundane task, am I, am I with intention doing it for the glory of God? Is that on my mind? Is the Lord on my mind? Is the Lord in my heart when I'm, <clears throat> when I'm doing this task? Um, it, I, don't have the, I don't have the ability to do that 100% of the time. And so I think that I, I lean more towards worship being an isolated event where I do have the awareness, God, the Holy Spirit has given me the awareness to come to him with a worshipful heart. And so, um, so yeah, I tend to go, I tend to agree with Tom mostly. Okay. Yeah. I, I would, I would, I would say this, um, and that is that, f first of all, uh, you know, brothers of goodwill can have different takes on exactly, oh, exactly how to, sure. how to think through this. Um, it's important to make distinctions, and this is this is true. Whatever the topic is under discussion, it's important to make distinctions and to make the right distinctions to, to make biblically uh, just you know justified distinctions. Um, so I, I would just offer two or three comments briefly, and then we'll, and I want to get into Aaron's story here. Um, you know, in light of Romans 12, 1 and 2, and the language that is used there, that in view of God's mercies, we're to present ourselves to 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 the Lord as a living sacrifice. It seems to me that it's it's re really that it's really mandated by the text to understand that the calling upon me what Romans 12, 1 and 2 calls me to is to offer the totality of my life to the Lord as an act of worship as a, as a, as a singular act of worship mm. that you know th this 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 language of of sacrifice 
on the altar is is takes us into the you know into the temple and into the the, the context of worship and mm-hmm. and that what's being enjoined upon me in that passage is that I'm to offer the totality of my life to God as an act of worship. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start there. But that doesn't mean I don't conclude from that that therefore every activity is you know is is equally worship um, or equally, you know, has the same kind of worship intensity. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I think, so while my whole life is to be an act of worship, that would include singing heartily and with great joy and love, singing happy birthday to my son or daughter on his or her birthday. But I'm not going to equate um singing happy birthday to you right. and singing how great thou art directly to the lord i'm not going to equate those as eh, you know take your pick you know this is worship that is worship no, yeah, I, no. I i think i think they're all part of a life of worship right right but that you have to make some distinctions between you know tom talked about you know brushing his teeth right and right. and brushing is brushing your teeth is not the same thing as as petitioning the Lord for mercy. Of course, yes. Um, you know, a reading, if you're the kind of person who reads J.R.R. Tolkien, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, you, as a Christian, you should read it to the glory of God. But, yeah. but it's not the same thing as reading, as reading the Bible. Or sure. hearing a sermon, for sure. So I just think as long as long as we're as long as we're making the the right you know biblical distinctions. Maybe this maybe I could offer clarity in the sense that this is an often confused topic. When the diff, that is the distinction between praise and worship, and every aspect of life. Like if I if I submit my life to the King, every act of my life should be an act of worshipful praise it's not worship in a in a definition a a, a definitive sense but you know the painting behind the fridge you know i I, if i do that to the glory of god that is an act of praise Mm -hmm. um and like uh the stars the stars continuously shine to the glory of their maker yeah yeah they are continuously the the word for the shining of the stars is is where we get the word hallel for hallelujah they are constantly praising their creator through the act of, of doing what they were created to do. And that is praise. It is distinct from biblically defined worship, but it is it's an act of praise. And I think that you can praise God while you brush your teeth, but it wouldn't be worship. Because like I said originally, is that worship is that submitting myself, turning my heart towards the throne towards the will of the Father. Um, one one verse that I really like that helps clarify is that in Romans, uh, sorry, Romans, uh, Revelation uh, four eleven, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive. To receive, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and respect and power, for you have created all, and by your desire they are and were created, and I have been created for His desire. And that, that Holy Spirit motivated giving my desires to him so that it's not my desires, it's his desires. That is 
worship, and then the acting out of that in my daily life is praise. So uh, we could we could chew on this for another few hours, but let's uh, let's uh, let's ask Aaron uh, how how did you become a worshiper of the Triune God? How, how how is it that you came to from your heart be be submitted to the Sovereign King? Um, well, it was it was. Uh, it was an act of divine sovereignty, without question. Um, I'll get into a little bit of my my childhood when we start talking about my, my music background, but uh, <clears throat> I did grow up going to church, but I didn't really, um, I never really heard the gospel, not not the true gospel. Um, I, I heard the music, I went to church, and it, it felt to me more, <clears throat> more like a social club. Um, and then if we, if we fast forward from that, um, when I was a teenager, I was, I, I was very, uh, uh, very much rebelling against going to church. Um, I would ask questions that uh, the leadership at the church that I went to couldn't answer, didn't have good answers for. And I saw that as a weakness. And um, being a teenager, you know, just kind of turned the other way. Um, and that started the beginning of, of, you know, turning, turning to sin and, uh, you know, the corruption of my heart and further rebellion. <clears throat> but along the way, um, I picked up on, you know, certain, certain places where now when I look back, I can see that God was, giving me stepping stones to bring me to where I am now. Um, the short version of this story is, is basically that uh, uh, I started to uh, learn about <clears throat> some, of the, some of the really dark things that go on in our world. And when I learned about those things, the thought came into my head, if this exists, then there must be a force of good that I don't know. And I, it was happening at a time, this was about, uh, this was in 2019, about October. Uh, my, my dad's father had just died. And so I, had a, I took a trip out to Kentucky by myself. Uh, and this was before I had any children. Or, I'm sorry, no, I had, I had one child. Um, and I, uh, I went out there by myself and I bought a Bible in the airport. <laughs> um, just was moved to do that. Um, and they had, you know, I bought a KJV there and I started reading it. Um, and thing, God was stirring me up um, reading his word. I didn't have any particular place that I was reading it. I would just kind of read something and then flip through and just kind of try to get through as much as I could, but not from, from cover to cover. Um, and some, it was something, some, God used me going to that funeral in some way. Um, and, and the idea of death and the impermanence of human life um, and the fragility of human life. I think he was using that to, as a catalyst for uh, 
causing me to be born again. And so um, I started flipping through the Bible, reading a little bit. I went to this funeral and then I came home and I was checking out um, testimonies from people that had been involved in similar things that I had been involved in prior to coming to know Jesus Christ. And um, I learned through those testimonies about Isaiah 53. And I remember, uh, I remember everything about where I was. I was, I was in my bedroom. This is in Arlington, Massachusetts in, in 2019. And I read Isaiah 53 and I knew it was a mirror. It was a mirror that showed me everything that I had done and that it was offensive and that it was not acceptable to God. And I also had known from at that, at that exact moment, I was also hit with the realization from reading things in Deuteronomy about some of the things that I was involved in uh, prior to this, that nothing I had done was new. I was, I was kind of on this path of, you know, the, the, the world's spirituality, which is like, what's the next new thing? What's the next new thing? What's the next new thing? You get this illusion that what's happening in the world's version of spirituality are new things, but they're not new. And God knows about them, and he's known about them for a long time, and he has already made his decision about what he believes about those, those things. And so at this moment, I read Isaiah 53, and I, I, was, I saw Christ in that passage. And I was, I was crushed under the weight of my own sin. And I went into the bathroom and just cried. <laughs> I just cried on the floor. Um, and that was it. That was, that, was my, that was my coming to the Lord. I was filled with sorrow, um, repenting right there, not knowing what repentance was <laughs> at the time, uh, but moved to repentance, moved to face on the floor with tears. Um, and ever since then, the Lord has put a hunger in my heart to, um, to know him and to learn about who he is and what it is that he does desire for me. What's his plan for me? What, how can I serve him? How can I bless him? And how can he bless me? Mm. Um, so ever since then, that's, that's been my quest. <laughs> were, you, were you married in 2019? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, you mean, you mean what, what no, exactly? Just, yeah, just, just like, you know, how did you, how did that, how oh. did that happen? So like you had this experience, this, this conviction, mm -hmm. this repentance. Well, you have, you're, you're a unit. Yeah. So that something happened in your wife's heart as well yeah what how did that how did that happen <laughs> yeah so it's it's um it's a really it's a much bigger story than just just me actually um at the same time god was working in the heart of my wife god was working in the heart of um a brother and sister that are at our church now yeah um and we all kind of came to know the lord at the same time, within, I would say, three or four months, falling wow. like dominoes. Wow. 
it was pretty incredible. Um, yeah, so so yeah, that's that's a really good question. Usually, you know, if, if if two people are unbelievers and one becomes a believer, then there there could conceivably be a struggle between the spouses. But this was not the case at all. The Lord just uh, saved everybody. Yeah, <laughs> the <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 took took all of us with him at the same time. That's so really cool. Was, yeah, it was it was an amazing amazing blessing. So now it still is. So now you're 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 serving the Lord side by side with your wife and with this this these friends you referenced. Yeah. In the context of the same local church family. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a that's a beautiful you know beautiful demonstration of God's grace. Yeah. Amen. Wow. So how when did you start? When did you start feeling inspired by the inspired word? to start making music mm. from his word. Well, and we got, we got to, oh, so we got, I, that, that's fine. We got, but we just got to back up. Oh, right? okay. All right. All right. right. I, I just, right. So he there, said that and I had a bunch so of questions right. that came to mind. So, there, so there's, so there, there, there's, there's Aaron, the, the, the unconverted man who then gets converted and, and gets converted into a, into a, into a true worshiper of, of, of the triune God. Um, then there's Aaron, the, you know, as a subset of your of your life, there's the musician aspect. So I, I just okay. I'd like I'd like you to because then I want to get to how they in, how that intersects yeah. with 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 worship and ministry and church and that kind of thing. But so tell us about your like musical pilgrimage and how you developed a love for music, how you gained skill on that front, bringing up to the time. You know, eventually we'll we'll intersect that with your your worship. But okay, yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't really have a choice <laughs> growing up uh, with musicians as parents. My mom was an opera singer. <clears throat> Excuse me. She sang professionally. Um, and my dad also sang opera, but not professionally. He just sang. Um, and he played the viola too, but not all that often. Uh, so both my parents were musicians, so I, it was kind of inescapable. Um, my mom, like I said, was an opera singer. She was a voice teacher as well. And uh, my mom always tells me the story that she, when I was, I think, six months old, she was uh, had a voice student in the other room. And I was with the babysitter or something, and she's playing this warm-up. And it keeps going, and then I crawl in and sing the next one. When I was six months old. Um, so it started really at a young age, probably before I was even born. I was hearing music. Um, that doesn't always mean, for, for some people, that doesn't always mean that they stick with it, though. Um, so it's, it's been a blessing to, to have been supported along the way um, and to be encouraged by people around me to continue. So um, I, I, the first big thing I did in music was I went on tour to sing opera, and it was an Advent-themed opera by an Italian composer named Giancarlo Minotti called Amal and the Night Visitors. <clears throat> and it's about a boy that's crippled, and he's visited by the wise men, and they come, and you know he's asking them all these questions about what they're doing and why they have all these gifts and everything, and, and then they tell him that you know they're coming to see uh, the, the baby, uh, the Messiah, and he's spontaneously healed. Um, <clears throat> I was that boy 
And I went on tour around the East Coast and the Midwest doing that when I was nine. I left school to do that. Um, and uh, I started playing piano at a young age, um, but we moved around quite a bit when I was uh, prior to middle school. So I didn't really have a consistent teacher. I just kind of picked things up on my own. Um, and I started playing, uh, I started playing the electric bass when I was 13 and I was, uh, had the opportunity to study with some really, really like world famous bass players and musicians, um, in various different settings. Um, and that led me to, uh, going to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I went there on a scholarship and, um, a year after being there, I switched to the upright bass, which sometimes I play in church. And I started, I began to study jazz music. Um, and I played jazz music. I went on tour quite a bit. I started to write my own music. Um, I sang as well. Uh, but, but I would say the vast majority of the music that I have been involved in uh, in my professional career was instrumental by far. Um, it was focusing on, uh, virtuosity, you know, uh, jazz in some ways has that focus. Um, but I, uh, so, so I studied jazz and I studied a little bit of classical music as well. Um, I toured around the United States. I went to different countries playing jazz music, playing music that I wrote, playing music that other people wrote. Um, and eventually, uh, it was just, it was very, very very tiring. <laughs> I'm a music teacher too. So I, I tell my students sometimes, you know, when I, when I tell them that I used to go on tour, they say, Oh, that's so cool. You know, I say, yeah, it's, it's cool. But just remember that everything at some point feels like work, you know? Um, and it felt like that. It's very tiring lifestyle. Um, and it's difficult to have a family, you know, if you're traveling around all the time. So, so I stopped doing that and that's when I became a teacher. And I started teaching music in public schools and teaching changed the way that I thought about music and the way that I played music because I had, I had to distill all of this collegiate professional intellectual musical knowledge down for mm. three-year-olds. <laughs> um, and I, while I was qualified to teach at a college level, I wanted to cast a wide net to as many kids as I could and just have an influence on young children to participate in music um, rather than teach students that already knew what they wanted to do. So that's, I, I didn't know how much of a challenge I was getting into until I actually started teaching uh, in public schools. But um, that was a big challenge for me taking kind of reverse engineering the things that I knew um, and, and distilling it down for young children. But um, yeah, and after that, since becoming a, a, a follower of Christ, uh, the music that I play has changed drastically. I wanted to ask you, did, did you ever, did you ever have, uh, did you ever have a sense prior to becoming a Christian, as you had all these different musical experiences, did you ever have the sense that music was in some way pointing to or somehow a sign of the transcendent? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, there were, there were aspects of music that were transcendent. 
Um, and I think it's important. I wanted to say in my, in my musical background here that the majority of the music that I played was instrumental because when you are just using instruments, um, there are details in, and minutia in sound that, um, that can take you to different places. And maybe this is leaning towards the next question, but in becoming a believer, I have been a lot more discerning about how sound affects people that are listening to it. Because when I was playing instrumental music, improvised music mostly is what I would do, uh, which can be everything from you're playing notes to, you know, I'm gonna take my bow and <laughs> run it across the tuning peg of my bass and get a high pitched sound. You know, there, I played with guys that had um, electronic setups where they would just be turning knobs and it would be like feedback and controlling noise and things like that. Um, and it's, you have to be careful with that music. You know, I, I had no concept of it before becoming a believer. I, I knew that I could play certain things to elicit a certain response from people. And I saw it as a positive thing. You know, people would come up to me. I had several people come up to me once or twice uh, after playing. And they would say, oh, thanks for, thanks for that solo that you took. You know, that really put me in a trance. And I would go, wow, you know, awesome. <laughs> And that's, that's when I was speaking earlier about my testimony. Those are the kinds of things that I felt very convicted about when I read Isaiah 53. Um, you know, I had an idea that things were transcendent and powerful. I just was misusing them. And I didn't, I could not rightly attribute the source of that power and use it in the, in the right way. So, yeah. Well, and really, I mean, it, uh, even in asking you the, the, the previous question about becoming a worshiper, uh, of course, I, I specified becoming a worshiper of the triune God. The, the truth of the matter is that the whole world is, 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 is full of worship, mm -hmm. not specifying an object, but, right. but uh, uh, you know, most of the world is, is unfortunately not worshiping the triune God. But, mm -hmm. but we are... We are worshipers as human beings. We are, we are responding to that which we perceive as being worthy of our attention. <laughs> it, we're, we're captured by ideas. We're captured by images. We're captured by sounds. We're captured by movements. We're, we're captured by you know, size, uh, things that are impressive to us. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that... We, we, we live in a we live in a we live in a transcendent world. I mean, the, the, there, there's the living God, and, and there's there's the the powers and principalities. You know, the uh, Satan and unclean spirits, and uh, I mean, the, the, there's 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 big stuff going on. Um, you know, uh, behind the the scenes in terms of what what the what the physical eye can see. Uh, but it's it's a really it's a battle for are we going to are we going to respond to the living God, or are we going to respond to God's substitutes? Are we going to respond to idols? Um, and so, and so, music, you know, interconnects with all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So why don't so why don't we why don't we why don't we shift over to that question? And, and how do you how do you see the relationship between between worship 
and music. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately in the Christian world, um, sometimes people equate uh, the two, like, like, for example, you might hear somebody say, all right, now, now it's time to worship. And, and what they mean is it's time to sing, it's time to sing praise. And it's right. okay. Yeah. Well, was the, was the, was, so was the prayer not worship? Right. Exactly. Was the reading of scripture not worship? So, so there's that kind of, so they're not, they're not the same thing, but what, what is, you know, what's, how do you, yeah, how do you see it? How do you see the relationship between worship, worshiping the triune God and the gift of music? Yeah, it's a big question that I had that I wrote some thoughts down about. Um, I also I don't particularly agree with the use of that word worship to define Christian music. Yeah, no, I, know, I because I, of that distinction. Yeah, I agree with. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that you you can worship and praise when you are singing music. Uh, you know, the Bible mentions singing 400 times and there's over 50 commands in the Bible to sing. So obviously we're singing is a good thing. Um, but that, but I wholeheartedly disagree with this, this concept that, uh, worship, worship is music. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's something that we hear way too much. It's, in the it's, world. it's normative in our Christian nomenclature to refer to it in that way, yeah. but that's not consistent with what is biblically right. true. Worship, worship may and sometimes does involve music, but, right. but precisely should be defined as music. Precisely. As singing. It's yeah, too yeah. limiting. Yeah. 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 You hear, you hear a phrase in, on uh, some radio stations that say worship now, like the moment you hear the music you're worshiping, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't work like that. Um, so uh, how does, what's the role of music in worship? That's the question. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Um, well, it, it must be edifying, first of all. It must be edifying, and primarily it should be for all people. Um, it's not, you know, it's not about performing. That, that has very little to do with the primary role of singing in, in church uh, and in a worship service. Um, we have the, the twin texts, Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18 through 20, uh, that talk about singing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other. Um, and um, we have that, and we also have, um, you know, Paul, uh, when he's talking about uh, speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Um, so, you know, music should be, uh, it should be biblical. It should be God honoring. It should be something communal that everybody in the assembly is doing together. Um, it's, when we're singing, we are offering praise, adoration, uh, and celebration of, of God, what he's done, and even lament and longing, um, a, a variety of, of offerings. When, we're sing, when we sing, we're fighting the enemy, we're encouraging one another, we're blessing one another, we're hearing testimonies all around us of people singing. Um, you know, and, and again, in Colossians and Ephesians, um, we, the, 
I don't have the exact text here, but there's one another. There's there's this idea of one anothering. We're 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 singing to each other. Yeah. We're praising God while we sing to each other. Ephesians five nineteen, speaking to each other in psalms and songs, singing and striking the strings in your heart to yeah. the Lord. Yeah. All right. So it's so it's 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 to the Lord and it's to each other. Yes. It's to each other in the presence of the Lord. It's 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 yeah. It's it's. Uh, Vertical and horizontal all at the same time. And in the Ephesians text that you just read, it, we're, we're singing in our heart. Mm. And then in the First Corinthians 14 passage, we're singing with our mind mm. also. So it's intelligible. It's intelligible. Um, it should, you know, I like, to, I like to make a joke that, you know, writing songs to sing with other Christians for me is mostly about plagiarizing because... because because if I, I want to look at the Bible and see what the Bible says, and I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it right in the song, you know, or, or I'm going to change very little about what's said in order to, to get that across. So plagiarizing is good in this case. <laughs> Amen. I, no, I, love, I love that about how you've been inspired. Um, yeah, and, and Olivia, she's, she loves that. that she lo she's always singing your songs, which is the <laughs> cutest thing ever. Sorry, please continue. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Can I interject? Sure, sure. Yeah. So what, what about, what about, so, so obviously singing, um, you, you have the most, uh, you have the most remarkable instrument, uh, at least as I see it, which is the human voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there's, there's the, there's, there's music as singing, um, which of course may be done a cappella, but then there's also there's also instrumentation, and you've already you've already gotten at the fact that instrumentation is very powerful in terms of its effect upon the soul. And you know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, like Psalm 150, where you have this you have this sense of the greatness of God, right? Psalm 150, verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. And then it shifts to, you know, what to praise him with, you know, trumpet sound with lute and harp, tambourine and dance, with strings and pipe, with sounding cymbals and loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There, so there, the, the instrumentality is... Is is expressing and 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 pressing home this this sense of exuberance, uh, but but on the other hand, you know, uh, if if you were singing a psalm of lament, and and you were involving instrumentation in that, then it would you know it, you would you would you would you know the mi the minor chords uh, come into play where you're you're expressing that musically. So how how do how do you how do you utilize music, specifically instrumentality, in a way that is helpful without falling into the, like, <laughs> you're concerned about, you know, manipulating the, the, the soul through, you know, the, the, right, the right chord sequence or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's funny because, you know, I don't know, 95% of the music that I wrote before becoming a Christian had, had no words in it. And now 100% of the music I write has words in it. Um, so I think, I think that, you know, the instruments should complement um, 
what the what the words are saying. And there are discernible tones in text themselves without any other sound. And taking that into consideration is a big part of, of what I do. I, I like to, especially if I'm going to write uh, music that accompanies scripture, it's important to me to understand the tone of what's being said. Um, so, you know, the, the instrument should not get in the way of what's being said. The instrument should be supportive of what's being said. Um, if the instrument is allowed to take a front and center stage, especially at, when there are words happening, then something's a little off. Um, you know, that, then you're moving into, you know, the potential for, depending on what's going on in the, in the instrument, virtuosity, you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, showing off or just simply something that is too textural or too um, mood inducing or, so, or something like that. Um, you don't want to, I don't, I don't wish to uh, use a device like that to do anything. If anything, I want to let the words speak and that's how the music that's how I uh, craft the music, is first with the words. I have to know what the words are. I have to know what they mean. I have to understand what they're saying. And I have to believe that they're true. And, and so from, from, from that standpoint, that's when I start figuring out, you know, what, what is the music going to sound like? I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but... You got any thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got a few thoughts. I don't know how relevant they are, but you, you notice this all over the place. Like, like uh, intros to, mu to intros to movies is like one of the first thing that comes to mind. Like Star Wars and like the the music that goes with it. It matches the music musically matches the words that are on the screen. And there's like countless examples of this where um, composers compose the uh, the theme music to a show based upon the 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 sound of the title of the show mm -hmm. um and so when you're you're talking about how like the words have their own musical quality to them that's what i was that's what i was thinking of yeah. was how it's used in a marketing sense to really um plant kind of it's a very kind of a devious technique of marketing to plant the theme of the title using the sound of the theme into your soul, into your subconscious, so that it, it gets in your head and you always associate that sound with that show and the sound sticks like it, it's, it's tacky and it sticks to you. Um, and you carry that with you as you, as you go through your, your life and you go through your day. Like, yeah, there's so many. Right, like the Twilight Zone. Everyone knows the theme to the Twilight Zone, right? You don't even like you're just saying Twilight Zone, and you hear do 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 do. Like it's 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 so con t contagious for our subconscious. So like that's a that's powerful, and there needs to be some reverence for how powerful that is. Like respect yeah. and and awe. God has made music for His glory, but it is so easily twisted for man's 
manipulative means. Mm -hmm. and, and even within the realm of Christian music, I, I think we, we, we see this problem. And, and I mean, I, I, I agree that the, that the, the music, the instrumentality exists in the context of worship to be a servant to the, you know, the, the, the content of what is, of what is being sung. So it, uh, it, 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 you know, it corresponds to the mood of the, of the content of the text mm. of the stanzas that we're singing. And it also, I mean, it, 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 it rightly encourages the heart to engage with that, with, with the proper mood, mm -hmm. you know? So like if, you know, if, if you're listening to, uh, I don't know, so some, some kind of a, uh, just a, a joyful hymn of praise that's coming out of like, you know, Ireland or Scotland or the Celtic world. And, 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 and it just, you know, it starts off with a lot of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not all that like musically sophisticated yeah. in terms of my ability to describe it, but it just, it starts off with that kind of very energetic and celebratory. It makes, yeah. makes you want to dance kind of, yeah. kind of thing yeah. before you actually get into the singing. I think that's entirely appropriate. It's not, it's not, you're not, it's not working people up into a frenzy. It's just it's 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 setting the it's right. setting the stage. Like, yes, this this is this is this is good. Um, so I, I don't I don't want I don't want people to think that uh, you can you can break this down into uh, a bunch of neat and tidy rules. But well, I but yeah, I, right. I but 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 I definitely think that we're on the right track here in terms of it's the music is meant to serve. The, the, the content uh, we're not we're not here for showmanship for performance we're not trying I mean music is music can be addictive you, you're, you, we're not here to uh, mu ultimately you 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 um, Paul in one of his letters talks about how he doesn't want his he, he doesn't want his rhetorical ability his mm. rhetorical prowess mm -hmm. to undermine the power of the gospel, right? right. You, you, in other words, in other words, you 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 don't want um, the power of eloquence to be what captures the hearts of the hearers of a sermon. Rather, you want the power of the word. And so, I would say the same thing about song. You you don't you don't you don't want the you don't want the power of instrumentality to be that which is stirring the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, you want the power to be in the content. Um, right. at the same time, mute, there's a, there's a proper place for rhetoric, music to humbly serve those, those, those purposes in the hearts of God's people. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that, you know, um, you know, the, the mood or the tone that a song has is irrelevant. Um, it's, it's not, um, but it, but it should fit the, the, the music itself and creating a mood should not be the goal in my mind of a songwriter. It should be capturing the mood of the text mm. itself. Um, there's one other thing I, I wanted to make a point of in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, what is the outcome then brothers and sisters when you assemble, each one has a song, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. I think that, you know, I think that's describing that individual believers coming to the gathering of the church can have a song prepared, and it makes sense. I believe it supports uh, 
the concept of gifted musicians ministering to the entire assembly in song. Yeah. And it makes sense that people who are uniquely gifted to have an opportunity to do that as long as the goal is always to glorify God and to edify the church. That's right. Um, and not of the glory of the musician. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and professional musicians uh, were part of the, um, were responsible to aid in the temple worship in First Chronicles 15 and 16. So, you know, there are, there are accomplished musicians throughout the Bible, um, and it's just, you know, what we're talking about is, is, is harnessing that ability to God's glory and um, his glory alone. And, and, you know, and music, music helps to, uh, you know, it, it can aid um, the making the making the content of what is sung memorable. You know, you 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 you, you remember uh, a song or a portion of a song differently than say you remember a sermon because it is being sung. And, and you know, and for example, uh, if somebody let's say somebody plays special music during the offering in the context of a worship service. Um, now, so, so, sometimes the, the lyrics of the song that they're playing might be, might be put up uh, on the screen for us to, to read and contemplate while they're playing. But, but let, even, if it, even, if, even if the lyrics weren't put up on the screen, if it's a familiar song within the context of that particular body of believers, you know, maybe it's blessed assurance or to God be the glory or holy, 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 or maybe it's a, maybe it's a medley of songs. But if you know the songs, then some of those, some of, some of the words from the song begin to come into your mind yeah. as the song is being played. And yep. it's, it's so that that memorable aspect of it is, is a great service to, to God's people. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of scripture that can be M memorized and really planted deep through the, through music as a medium. And that's just like a testament to how potent and powerful music is. Yeah. And the Song of Moses is a great example. Um, in Deuteronomy 32, he lays out this, <laughs> this song, uh, this very long song that's, that is about everything that God has done for his people. And then at the end he says, uh, it's it, in verse 44, it says, Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He with Joshua, the son of Nun, when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to your heart all the words with which I'm warning you today, which you will command your sons to follow carefully, all the words of this law. So he laid out the, the law to them in a song. Um, and, you know, if that that that's proof that music has been used to catechize and to and to help people memorize uh scripture since that time and uh that's that's a big reason why i started making memory verse songs um tom uh, i meet with tom uh pretty regularly and you know he'll he'll say let's memorize this verse and i started to just write songs because that was i love to make music and i, I love to memorize scripture and it was this great intersection of doing that so and i'd like to just say something briefly about that before we kind of get into our home stretch here uh some somebody somebody might be listening to that and and think to themselves i wish i could oh, i wish i could write write a song like like just quickly write a song to a memory verse why can't i do that um and uh i would say 
I'd say maybe you can, <laughs> Just, but, but, but that's not actually what I really want to say. Uh, but uh, what I really want to say is, is that think about how your own particular gifting might interrelate with, with that. Like you, you're, you're, you're a gifted musician. Um, other people might be gifted, um, in terms of other, other artistic expressions, you know, uh, maybe, you know, you can, you can, you can draw a scene and, and put scripture right into it, you, you know? So just, just thinking about, think about the way you're wired and the gifting that you have and how you can integrate scripture and scripture memory with, with, with what you're good at, with how God made you. It's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing that we're not all like you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you're blessed by the fact that, that we're not like you because yeah. we, we, we bring our different gifts and contributions to the body of Christ. So getting now getting into the home stretch here, uh, of course, we 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 regularly uh, credit uh, Aaron in the outro for his for the use of his uh part of his song in the introduction to the podcast. And we're all going to be blessed uh, shortly here with, he's going he's gonna to share um, an original song that he's not yet shared publicly. He's going to share it right here on the podcast. Um, so, but I want to ask, ask how many, you know, how many, how many, how many songs have you written as a, as a believer? Too many to count. Um, Dozens? I'm always working on something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably fifty. Okay. Yeah. So like somewhere around there. So just, just, just. Uh, so just walk us through briefly, like the songwriting process in terms of the, you know, where the where the where the content comes from and how how it gets how it gets wedded to music and what that looks like. Is that is that quick? Is that a long process? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, like I mentioned uh, just a minute ago, um, a lot of the music, the memory verses that I've shared with people have come up as a result of, of uh, being charged with the memorization of them. Um, and so I, I know that for my brain and, you know, the evidence shows for others, too, that using music to deliver that is effective. Um, and I have memorized a lot of scripture because of the songs that, that I've made. Um, but in terms of coming up with a, a song maybe that's not related to scripture, um, sometimes I will, I will uh, have a theological theme that I'm investigating or uh, something, that I, something in the Bible that I want to learn about. Um, I guess one example would be, you know, I, I took the opportunity when you started Genesis to... to go back and listen to your sermons again and see if I could, you know, draw something out of that and summarize it in a way and put it to music. And um, so, so that's, that was one, one way that I, that that's one method um, that I've used. Um, but for the song that I'm going to share today, um, I learned recently uh, in a book that you recommended to me, uh, Theology of the Sticks, that the Holy Spirit, uh, songs, hymns that are written uh, about or to the Holy Spirit are very few in number, very few. Um, I think in, in, this, in the book, Theology of the Sticks, I think, I think they quote that, uh, the author quotes that in John MacArthur's hymnal, um, Hymns of Grace, 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure of this, but I'm pretty sure that he said that out of however many are in there, over 500, that less than 10 of them are about the Holy Spirit. Mm. I just thought that was really interesting. And he said in the book, too, that, you know, this is an awareness that other people have come to in history and in recent history. And they've, they've devoted, you know, oh, I'm going to write more songs about the Holy Spirit. So that's that's what I decided to do with this song. Um so, I, so, you know, it really depends. It depends on, on what I am studying at the time. It depends on, uh, you know, what somebody else has, has charged me to learn about. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there is no shortage of, of, of material or knowledge that can come from the Bible. And so the, the music that can come as a result is also equally unlimited. Is, is this... Uh, is this what's the name of the song? Uh, Holy Spirit, show me. Okay, so would you would you regard this as uh, would this be would this say would this this song be suitable for congregational singing? Would you would you regard this more as no? If this was going to be sung in the worship service, it would be it would be sung as a special to the congregation for their edification. Hey, well, you know, first of all, I'll admit that that sometimes I'm not sure. Um, you know, my intention in this song is for the congregation to sing it. Occasionally I write a song like that and somebody comes up to me and says, no, we can't sing that. You know, so, so I, don't, I don't always have a good sense about that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I have tried to make this a, a singable song for others. That's my goal. Do, do, do the, which flows easier for you as a general rule? The words or the, or the, or the, or the music? The music. <laughs> so, 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 so the word, the word is work yes. and the music flows. Yes. Yes. Uh, I labor intensively over the words. Um, maybe it's in part because, you know, I, um, I, I, I didn't write much music with words in my life. Um, and, you know, I find that I want to, I want to be absolutely clear about what I'm writing. I don't want there to be ambiguity. Um, and so for me, that takes several revisions. Um, it takes uh, changing, changing. Uh, sometimes I have to change, you know, half the song because one thing doesn't fit right. And when I change one thing, then I have to change lots of other things. And then you're, you're dealing with, you know, not just uh, uh, rhythmic flow of the words, but but how that changes the potential meaning of the song and how it may shift the focus away from what the focus is supposed to be. And you know, so so those are those are the kinds of things that I grapple with. But it's you know, yeah, it's 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 tough for me to write words, um, but I really enjoy the uh, the pruning that it does for me. It really has a pruning effect on, on uh, you know, the clarity of my thinking, and uh, it's, it teaches me, you know, it, it teaches me about what 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 I am writing a song about, you know, um, because I it require, like I said, it requires many revisions. It requires going back to the Bible. It requires me to be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm saying is accurate and makes sense it, it it is it's it's a form of teaching and and teaching the teacher yeah. is always 
the, 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 the greatest beneficiary of the teaching process. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I want to commend you for, uh, for, you know, for deploying your gift of music for the edification of the body of Christ and for your church family. Um, you know, the apostle Paul talks about how, you know, he, 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 he referring to, you know, his apostolic calling to, you know, to, to preach and build up the church. He talks about, he refers to, you know, the gift that was given to me for you. Mm-hmm. And, and really that's, that's, the Apostle Paul teaches that that should be our mindset about all of all of our gifts, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're they're give, they're given they're given the gifts I have are given to me for the body of believers. The gifts that He has given to you are for the benefit of your brothers and sisters. You know, and 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 we sh- all of us, whatever our gifts of music, teaching, mercy, administration. Um, evangelism it's 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 all it's for others it, it's it's for the carrying out of the great commission and the great you know the great commandment to love the lord and to love your neighbor hmm. that's been one of the greatest blessings of, for me becoming a christian is realizing the purpose of music in my life and the purpose is 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 to share it and to to um you know for 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 it to be a blessing for me and for other people um and for my brothers and sisters right around me, uh, I'm blessed by the, the 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 teaching, you know that it that it teaches me to come up with a song, and share it. Um, but but you know this this is this is so different than the way that I have thought about music for my whole life. So, um, but I uh, I. I, uh, I, I truly, I'm, I'm truly humbled to, to be able to have the opportunity to, to, to write music, to, to share with others. And um, it's, it's my constant prayer that it is a blessing to those that, that would sing it. Do you, do you get any final words before we? Oh, I just, I, I just love it because like, uh, I'm not musically gifted like my brother Aaron here, I am not, and that's that's fine. Uh, I have more of a leaning towards visual arts, painting, and, and things of that nature. And I studied a lot of art history growing up. And one of my favorite art, artists was Rembrandt, mm, right? Yeah. So Rembrandt, in his desire to be, he he had this passion of making art that depicted biblical scenes. And he had this conviction that he wanted to make those scenes as accurate as possible so that it was a visual representation of theology. It was visual theology. So he would you'd go, you'd go through great lengths selecting the models that he would use for his art pieces. He, would, he wanted them to be Jews if he was depicting Jews. And he was very thorough um, for his day. And he was constantly desiring to be excellent and it would be so much easier to just be like, well, we don't, we can cut this corner artistically. We could use some artistic liberty here. And the artistic liberty creates an ambiguity of vagueness, you know. And Rembrandt was like very much against that and cut against the grain, even if it didn't make him money, he was going against the grain. So when I'm hearing you talking about music, I'm, I'm picturing you know, what's more in my wheelhouse, which is visual art. And that's like, I'm seeing Rembrandt and I'm just like, this is a musical Rembrandt. <laughs> this is really cool. You know, 
and uh, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear this new song. Uh, I'm a huge fan, so. <laughs> now, it, it, uh, Aaron, if, uh, uh, if someone listening to the podcast, especially maybe someone will listen to this from outside of our church family, um, uh, and you have a website, with a bunch of your music on it. Mm -hmm. Can you tell, can you tell, do you know what the website is off the top of your head? Yeah, it's biblemusic.bandcamp.com. Okay. Pretty easy to remember. Yeah, so I, uh, there's there's some wonderful uh, resources on there uh, for you to be edified by, and I would encourage you to, to check it out. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, right, in just a moment here, Dane and I are gonna step off, uh, off of the, uh, we're gonna step away from the table and Aaron's going to grab his guitar. Uh, we we uh, we thank you for joining us today. Uh, we hope that the song that Aaron is about to sing, uh, "Holy Spirit, Show Me," uh, we hope that this song is a, is a blessing to you. Uh, again, we want to we want to thank Aaron uh, not only for the use of his music during the intro, but for sharing his time and story and gifts with us today. Uh, and we also want to acknowledge uh, Caleb Lynch and his engineering work that helps helps to get what we're recording here to you uh, for your edification. Uh, Caleb also using his gifts right. mm -hmm. for the building up of the body of Christ. Amazing. Yeah, so, awesome. so we're gonna step away. I'm gonna put this microphone down here in the chair to get the guitar and, and uh, enjoy. Our foes, 
Guide our steps upon the narrow road. Shape us, form us, help us do your will. Gentleness and kindness in us fill. Grow our love for neighbors and our foes. Guide our steps upon the narrow road. Holy Spirit, comforter and royal friend, make us more like Jesus now and to the very end. All the glory of your work is yours and yours alone. One day we will share it as we worship at your throne. One day we will share it as we worship at your throne. Holy Spirit, show me how to be like my Savior who died upon the tree. You've adopted us and set us free. Help me walk accordingly. Holy Spirit, show me how to be like my Savior who died upon the tree. You've adopted us and set us free. Help me walk Oh